Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis or Velosos on social media. Welcome back to Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. On Soul Organized Style Podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks for joining us on Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Sober 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast with Carmen of Karma Cedar blog on Instagram. Today we hear more from Carmen about being in the French sewing bee and what that's taught her. All of this information that you've been able to collect through your sewing life, you've now published some books, haven't you? I was lucky enough to be able to publish five books. Wow. Three of them are just patterns with modifications you can make, which are called pattern books in French, but are sold in libraries. And then uh, when I did the uh, French sewing, there were two books that came out, but that was like in 2014, which is like so long ago. <laughs> and now I'm preparing like a shirt making class for artisan the French craftsy, and I'll be talking about shark making for about five hours. I can actually do that. <laughs> you know, you've got the breadth of experience to be able to do that. Yeah, I know like the three or four different methods to put up a collar and then the five or six to do a button, plaque it. And I actually am like endlessly curious. Mm-hmm. If I have one quality as a seamstress is is just I'm very curious and if I've never made something the happier I am you know if if there's a technique I've never tried and I'm trying it I'm like all happy then sewing is endless so you touched on the French sewing bee all those years ago Mm -hmm. how did you approach it they did the French sewing bee the year after season one of the English sewing bee, which I had watched in awe. Yeah. I love that show which I just like, oh my God, I love that show. And when it was over, I thought, okay, if ever there's a French version of this, because the French do, French from France uh, do like cooking shows, like the bee, they buy the license and they do their own. Right. And I thought if ever the French do this, I will apply. And so I applied and I didn't know I was going to get taken. Like you have to go through casting first. I guess that the day I applied, they didn't have that over 50 homemaker type of sewer they were looking for. And then they found me and then I went to casting and got casted. But, you know, there's a recipe to the casting. There's always a very young and inexperienced sewer. And there's always a couple of guys who are doing well, but are learning all the time. And then there's like always the young 30-ish businesswoman who makes her own clothes. And then there's someone older. And then there's like the, the retiree. And, you know, they have stereotypes that they fill in, right? I just fell into that. And then uh, I think it was on the second day of filming. I thought, oh, my God, I have a chance. Oh, but, you know, I was 50. I was older, 51 when we filmed. 
I just didn't care, actually. I didn't care to win or lose or whatever. I just said, okay, I have a chance. Let's do this and let's make my best every day and do my best every day. And uh, let's go for it. I had nothing to lose. And I learned a lot. And that's why I like sewing meetups and stuff like that. It gets you out of your kitchen. And I was like, my sewing was never good enough. I wasn't good enough, never. Because you're alone in your kitchen and you get focused on what you're doing. And you never let go. And you like, you know, you'll, you'll start your sleeves like five times because they're wrong. And then you explode, you explode them and you'll sleeve. You'll never be good enough. And you never let go. And that's what the show taught me is that I can let go. What I do is fine. And if it's wearable and washable, then it's fine. You can let go. There's no sewing police, right? No one's ever going to come to you and say, ah, this is not straight, please. That's off. Well, no one's ever going to say that. It's a process, which, you know, at tea time is very different from what I'll know in five or six years time, because it comes with practice. You need to practice and make it. And I've been practicing all the time in my kitchen, and I didn't know that actually I was sewing okay. So that freed me, actually. Doing this show freed me. And you talked about when someone says that you're talented, you've again reinforced that it's years of practice and experience that has allowed you to, in inverted commas, be okay at sewing because you actually are great at sewing and we all are great at sewing. We just have to understand that we are. Yeah, and also at your starting, don't try to make things as good as the people who have 25 years of practice just relax calm down do your best it's wearable it's washable that's a good start you can pinpoint about the fit and the perfect overlock or the perfect seam or the straight seam you can worry about that later on you have to forge ahead because if you keep saying you're not good enough you're going to stop sewing Mm. it's a long-term relationship (laughs) you have to go in for the long term but all the crafts are like that you can't make a good bowl in five minutes You you need to make several bowls and you need to make several shirts and you need to insert a lot of zips to learn to be able to make that properly. And there's no other recipe. There is it's just make, make. You said that when you were in the French sewing bee, they had you as the stereotype of an older sewist. So that brings me to the visibility of older sewists. So when did you discover the Cyber 50 community on Instagram? Actually, from the onset. I don't remember who talked about it, or, but I was following people who were either on Me Made May or something, and they talked about it, and I pressed the button, and then they all showed up in Paris. <laughs> so I've met all of them. I didn't get it at first, I must admit. Because when I sew, I have no age. 
it didn't occur to me that there was less people over 50 on the webs because I was following a bunch of people over 50 already because they have the same fitting problems as I do, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which I didn't have before. You know, I could make a straight 12 and not bother about fitting for years. And now I have to bother about fitting. So I looked for people who were actually having the, the same problems that I did. But it never occurred to me that, and then I realized that you all were right, actually. And it's good. What I think is good also is because we've been sewing for that long, we can actually pass on some information and techniques. And that's just as important. We have more experience. We know how to make certain things. And, and a lot of them have been working in the industry at some point in their yes. lives. And we have industrial techniques. And it's good to know. I mean, it, it's important that this is shared. A lot of the Cyber 50 guests that I've had are exactly that. They've worked in the industry somewhere. And so they have all of this knowledge to pass on. Yeah. Being more visible is a good thing. Also, we have more money to buy fabric. <laughs> we have disposable income. <laughs> so that's right. So there are a couple of reasons why people who are over 50 should be watched and listened to and enticed to sew. Yeah. After the show, like, uh, of course, it was in 2014. So yeah. if you think about it for five minutes, but in TV time, it's a really, really long time mm. uh, because TV memory is not that long. But I'm still fabric store famous <laughs> because whenever I go in any of stores around here, I never take 10 centimeters or half a meter for a project. Most of the time I fall in love with the fabric, so I'll take three at least. Yeah. And five if it's in quilting uh, fabric, just to make sure I have enough to make whatever I decide to make with it. So they love me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the definition of fabric store famous. Yes. I want to have brooches, you know, like a fabric store famous brooch or something. Like I asked a friend to work on it, but her 3D printer just went. Poof. So it's not going to be for now, but we're going to have like fabric store famous pins. Oh, I want to see that on Instagram when they're done. <laughs> yes. It's one of my side projects. Sewing is also my lifelong companions. There are times in my life where I didn't sew at all, but it's still it followed and accompanied me throughout my life. And it's a never ending learning curve which I love that too. It's you learn something new every day. And I like that. And it's vast. It's huge. I mean, if you get into coat making and bra making and panty making, there's a learning curve everywhere. If you make jackets, whether by hand or tailored or whatever, it's like, it's another learning curve. I think learning is the main motivation. As you learn every day, and I love that. Can we talk about decision-making? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's one area in my life where I make all the decisions and I'm in control. I'm in total control of what I'm doing. It takes a while to get there, but once you're there, it's like, yes. 
you decide on all the finish and all the details and you decide on the buttons and you decide on everything. Everything is a decision that you make to achieve what you see in your mind. And it's just magic. I love it. It is. Carmen, how fun was it to be on the French sewing beef? It was so much fun. And also what I liked is one of our judges at work with uh, one of my heroes at Balenciaga. And she'd been there for 22 years. And she was so good at, at spotting what she did wrong. She was always calm, you know, 22 years of uh, fashion runways, four times a year is enough to like, and she was always coming. She, she would, en parole, and en parole would come and she would say, okay, don't do this right now do this and then come back to that and that's going to be easier and you go like oh god yes of course of course and I've learned so much from that the order of construction is is something I think about all the time because I have to do custom work I rack my brain a little less now because I have a better machine but at one point I only had a straight stitcher and I had to pass like really thick layers And I would just like say, okay, I can't do this now because then I won't be able to sew that. So I'll do this now. I spent a lot of time going through a construction order. So things are are easier. Like I have a dress in pieces. I mean, it's really in pieces, but the hem is done. Really? Yeah. Because I hate doing hems. And if I do it in the process of constructing the dress, I'll wear the dress. And also on certain hems, it's just better if you work flat. And so I'll do the hem first. And then when it comes out of the machine, I can actually wear it right away. Oh, I love that thinking. Yes. So I'm, I'm pretty good at measuring. And when I know that it's going to be the right length, I'll just hem it right away. And so I have a beautiful face hem right in front of me and I'm dying to do all <laughs> I'm going to do all the uh, the gathering necessary mm-hmm. to make it, but it's hemmed already. So <laughs> I spend a lot of time doing that, just like thinking about the order of construction and doing my, uh, it's like this shirt also. So there's a shirt sitting behind you. I hemmed the shirt first so I could have a really nice finish at the bottom. And then I sewed the button bracket. That's the type of stuff I do. I think I've seen that order of construction in one of the shirt patterns that I've got and it always throws me, but you're right, it works and it's very motivating. Well, yeah, because, you you know, when you do put the color, then it's finished, finished. Mm. You don't have to go back and hem and sometimes you have to stop sewing on some line dresses. They'll instruct you to do the lining, especially sleeveless dresses. And then you have this long seam that does all the lining and stuff. And you always have like a big thing under the arm, which is really um, uncomfortable. So what I do is that I stop sewing about five centimeters before it intersects. And then I do all the side seams and then I go finish the curved seam. And it's always better. It always looks better and it always feels better because that seam is dominant, right? That's the last seam that I barely ever read instructions anymore. You, you know, it comes with experience. But sometimes I, I do look at them because sometimes, you know, 
they'll bring a new thing or they'll have a new way of doing things and you go, oh, why didn't I think of that? And and you're all happy because you've learned something else. Carmen, where can people find you so that they can learn from you? These days I'm mostly on Instagram and Twitter. I also have a Facebook and everything is all the posts are cross-posted. So if you choose your platform and uh, you'll find me there. One day I'll have enough bandwidth to uh, do like Twitch lives. My son keeps insisting I should be on Twitch or on live somewhere so people can see me and ask questions while I'm sewing. The handle is Carmen Sita B. And uh, on Instagram, it's Carmen Sita blog, B-L-O-G. And on Facebook, it's Carmen Sita blog. And then on Twitter, it's Carmen Sita B. And if you do the WWW, you'll find the blog that's dead, but it's still got it's still got tips and stuff like that. But I haven't contributed or added to it in a couple of years. Carmen, thank you so much for your time today on the podcast. I'm so glad I've met you. I love you so much. <laughs> keep on traveling and keep on sewing and let's meet. We'll meet. I hope so. We'll yeah, do that. That'll be good. Thank you for being on the Cyber 50s podcast. I know that listeners have seen you and now they're going to hear from you. I'm speechless. I'm so I'm so glad that you're here. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Have fun sewing and see you soon. All right, then. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you for having me. This episode for Sarah for 50 podcast on Soul Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Carmen. Sound by bensound.com. Listeners, if you want to provide a guest post for Sober 50, make sure you direct message Judith and Sandy at the Sober 50 account on Instagram. Also, keep an eye out for the next Sober 50 Live event that Bird and Molly are hosting. Remember, these Sober 50 Live events will always be available on the Sober 50 account. You can subscribe to Soul Goodnight Style Podcast, but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free So Over 50 podcast archive. And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon so I can keep producing it for you. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.